When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome, ladies, to part two of this empowering, freaking amazing episode with Faith Jenkins, who is spilling the tea and taking us through the six lessons that she learned to master the single life so that she knew that when or if she found somebody, that she would have the beautiful foundation to who she was and what she deserves. Being single is a choice, not a prison sentence. And when you live your life with intention and being everything you want to be, settling for someone with a pulse just to shut everyone up is not a good solution. Now, whether you're single, guys, searching for your soulmate or content with living the single life and wanting to live it up much more, this episode is for you. So let's jump straight in to part two with Faith Jenkins right here on Women of Impact. And if this episode did bring you value, hit up your homie. Share this episode, guys. That's how together we're going to create global women of impact. Yeah, buddy. Let's go. Yeah, God. And then to your point that you had said earlier, reason... 1,362 of why opposites attract isn't a great combination, especially when it comes to something like that. Because if you're a spender and someone else is a saver, if you're the saver and the other person is a spender, um, you're definitely going to clash and collide. Yes. And so much of marriage is about compromise because you do have two different people coming in with different perspectives, backgrounds, experiences, knowledge, all of those things. So much is it of it is about compromise, but give yourself the best chance at succeeding by having these discussions early on before you get married and getting to know someone and what their value system is like, what's really important to them, what works for them in running their home, what works for you in running your home so that you can really make an informed decision about who you're going to combine your life with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And then going to something else that you had said, um, where if you've been through a lot of toxic relationships, you know, you didn't say this word, but what's the common denominator? I've also, I've actually heard you say, um, relationships don't have problems. The individual has a problem that they bring to the relationship. Yes. So talk to me about that. Well, because people don't have relationship problems. They really have problems that they brought into their relationships. If you work on yourself while you are single and you learn how to communicate effectively, Lisa, that's what you're going to bring into your relationship, an effective communicator. If you work on yourself and you learn how to compromise and get along with others, that's what you're going to bring into your relationship, somebody who knows how to compromise. Marriage is not a magic wand that changes people into someone else. Whoever you are as a single person, what you're learning as a single person, that is what you are bringing into your marriage. So that's why I talk about what a big deal it is to continue to be on this journey of not only having a fulfilled life, but working on who you are so that you're bringing somebody who has all of these wonderful attributes to contribute to the relationship. Who do you want your person to meet? Let's say you meet your person tomorrow. Who do you want them to meet? Do you want them to meet somebody who knows how to handle conflict, who knows how to compromise, who knows how to talk to you when they're angry, who knows how to navigate difficulties in a relationship? Or do you want them to meet somebody who's just been going through life and, oh, you'll figure it out? When, when you get there, it's a much stronger position when you when you're working on all of these things and growing as an individual and you meet that person and then the two of you can, can, can continue to grow together. Mm. What that, that really hit me and something you said made me think about how many people I've heard heartbreaking, heartbreaking, but I've heard them say 
that they'll ha- they have a child or they want a child to, in order to fix their relationship? I think that people make the mistake of thinking a child, sometimes that a child will be something that is a bonding mm. experience and that they will somehow bring their relationship together. As someone who has a nine-month-old, yeah. <laughs> I can tell you, I, our relationship has been challenged even more so during this time period because we've had to learn how to show up for each other in different ways now that we have a baby in our home. So if anything, I think whatever issues that are there, you are risking exacerbating them even more because you have now not just you and your other person that you're working with and navigating, but now you have a child that is solely looking to to you, your family, whoever your village is for that love and support. And bringing a child into a broken relationship is not going to fix anything. The only thing that can fix a broken relationship is actually doing the work to find out how we got here. Having a child and bringing a child into this world is one of the uh, biggest choices you can make in life, in your relationship. And I know you've talked about it many times, how you chose not to have children, which is a very valid choice. Having one child is also a valid choice. Having two is a valid choice. All of these are very valid choices and you should never let outside of, you know, trying to somehow you think it's going to fix something in your relationship, which it doesn't. But also this notion of that children somehow add to this picture perfect experience you're supposed to have in life. And if you don't, somehow you're missing out. Again, it's just not true. Everyone, because we talked about the questions of people asking me about being single and when I was going to get married. Well, guess what? When I got married, the questions didn't stop. Guess what they started asking me? When are you going to have a baby? When are you going to have a baby? I have a daughter now, not because of external pressure, but it's because my husband and I wanted to have a child. I already get questions. When are you going to have another? (sighs) Well, you can't have an only child. You can't, that this child needs a sibling. Let me tell you, you're not in my house waking up at three o'clock in the morning <laughs> <laughs> to feed and, and do a feeding and, and rock and, and nurse and all those things. If you are not putting money in my cash app, because <laughs> babies are expensive, to uh, help support raising them, you have no say-so. You really have no say-so regardless, but I think it's so important that we respect everyone's wishes in terms of what they want to do with their own journey in their personal life. What's so beautiful about life is it's not a race. It can't be a race because we're not all running in the same direction. And so just being able to embrace your journey and stand in that truth of even if you have an idyllic marriage, that does not mean you have to add children if that's not what you want to do. Yeah, yeah, I got that so much. I was like, but you guys love each other. Yeah. Okay. Like, mm-hmm. does that mean that then by by definition, we should have kids? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, um, the other thing that I got a lot was people assuming I couldn't have kids. Mm-hmm. Because they're like, well, you're in a happily, you're in a happy marriage. You guys love each other. It seems very stable. Oh, well, you must not be able to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, again, I understand that people bring their preconceived notions to it. Um, but the reason why I asked the question about having children for the sake of marriage is um growing up I did hear women saying that like oh I thought you know if we had a child together Mm. that that would fix our marriage and I think that back then at least I think Mm. what it was doing was just making it harder for the person to leave yeah and so that doesn't mean that it's a stable happy marriage right um and then going back to something else that we had said was how many people have you seen in your divorce court where they had they knew years ago Mm -hmm. that they were going to leave, but it needed that one last thing to kind of like tip them over the edge. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually have a, a stat about that, actually. I'm just going to mm-hmm. pull it up. Where it says, um, 
most people cite the final straw as being the reason why they left. And they usually cite it towards either cheating, domestic abuse or substance abuse mm. as being that kind of final straw. Mm -hmm. And it's actually, again, heartbreaking that that's what forces people to leave a relationship versus I am profoundly unhappy. Yeah, it's usually a buildup. And I always say there's only one thing worse being in a bad relationship and that's overextending your stay in one. You have to know when it's time to go. Um, li life is so short. And I'm not saying, Lisa, if you're married, you don't do the work mm -hmm. that I think it takes to be married. Because what you will find if you talk to someone who's been married over 20 years, what you will find consistent in that conversation is that it means if they're happily married and they are in a healthy relationship over 20 years, that means that they have mastered forgiveness. Mm. That means that they know how to compromise. That means they know how to let go of resentment. That means they it is they've done the work. They've, 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 they've done the work to be able to get there. And if you are in a relationship with someone who is putting you down, and I've seen this in divorce court, years of people hanging on and being staying in a situation that they know is not healthy for them, that they know is not working for them. You do not stay for your children because all you are doing is demonstrating them how to be in a dysfunctional relationship. So when you know that that whatever work that needs to be done in order for this relationship to work, it's not happening. This is and you, you, you and this person is toxic and they are not good for you. You always hear people later down the road say, I know I should have left five years ago, or I know I should have left six. And then you stay and it just picks away at your spirit and at your um, at your your zest for life and and all of these things. And it's you have to be able to make a decision at some point when it's right for you, when the time is for you to walk away. God, what is the thing that you've noticed in doing that show that is the common denominator of why people don't walk away and they seek such an extreme, mm -hmm. heartbreaking result? A lot of people confuse control with love. When you start seeing signs where someone is jealous of you spending time with your friends, when they're jealous of you spending time with your family, that's not a sign of love. That is a huge red flag of some controlling behavior that eventually does manifest itself consistently in most of our cases. So you, you have to know what love really is and what love looks like for you, a healthy kind of love. Because if you don't, then the unhealthy types of love that show up in your life, you can be confused mm -hmm. about those unhealthy types of love and say, well, this just means that this person really cares. And it doesn't. It's a level of control and often it starts there. As in, they've called me 10 times in the last hour. They must love me. They need versus... to know where you are every hour of the day. What are you talking about? I'm at work. I, you know I go to work from nine to five every day. And so the... The checking in, the showing up, the popping up, the surprising you, all of those things, which can be real signs of controlling behavior. Oh, I just got this weird freaking flashback of being in college. Mm -hmm. And I was dating this guy. We'd been together for three years, about two years at the time. And I was away at college and he would show up and he would just surprise me. And it was he was trying to catch me. Mm. He thought I was um, cheating on him, mm -hmm. which I never did. And because I shared a dorm room with these other girls, the girls have guys that come into the dorm room. So he heard, he somehow hears this guy in the background and he showed up. Yeah. And just as you were saying that, I was like, oh, I totally said, oh my God, right. look how much he loves me. Mm. He just drove an hour and a half to come and surprise me Actually, he was trying to find me cheating on him. Mm -hmm. But he just came all this way to surprise me. Yeah. He must love me that much. Mm -hmm. And that's what I talked about earlier when we talked about the unhealthy levels of mistrust. Mm. He obviously had serious trust issues and they were manifesting themselves in, in your relationship. Yeah, but because I think I so, I didn't have 
another boyfriend before that. I didn't have any interest. Yeah, no other, respect. No, yeah, no other guys also showed me interest. Yeah. So that when someone showed me intense interest, mm-hmm. I just took that as um, a, a good uh, stroke into my self-esteem. Mm-hmm. Like I had very low self-esteem, so that just mm-hmm. felt good in the moment. Yes. Well, it's, it's what I talked about earlier about when you, how do you learn what is supposed to be happening in a successful relationship when you are really drawing from ignorance, when you don't know. And that's how early on when I started working in family court and making those observations and throughout my year, and then I started educating myself. Mm-hmm. I started reading like things like my book. There are some other great resources out there. I started educating myself because I said, I don't have an example of what this is supposed to look like. So how am I supposed to know? What am I drawing from? What experiences? And then I started working in family court at 24 years old. So I saw people at their worst. I saw relationships at their worst. And so I thought, what do I do to make, to not only help guide these women, learn more so I can be a better guide? Because when you're an, when you're an attorney, you're a therapist, too. You're you're a, someone that people lean on. They talk to you. They share all their problems and you're navigating one of the most difficult times in their life when you're working through when they're working through their divorces. So I had to start learning and building on a foundation of knowledge and then just learning for myself as well. Mm. And so jealousy was one of the top reasons that you saw um, specifically in your uh, relationship killer show. Um, and did you notice that in divorces as well? Jealousy, insecurity, that, that deep-rooted insecurity, um, that con- which then turned into more controlling behavior. And then this was something a little more subtle, but I thought it was big, making fun of your significant other. Ah, or mocking them, making jokes about something about them that you knew perhaps they were insecure about. When someone shows just sign of, they have a mean side to them because your partner should be building you up, lifting you up, adding to how you feel about yourself, not tearing you down. So saying thing, saying something in the form of a joke and say, oh, I'm just joking, you're being too sensitive, it's a way, it's another controlling factor because they're picking away at your self-esteem and your self-confidence. If you own your own business, when an employee leaves your company, whether on good terms or bad, it can feel, I hate to say it, but it actually can feel personal, like you and you alone are the one to blame. And it actually may even trigger you to lock down your business, not open yourself up and not actually risk trying anyone else. Like you actually would your heart after a bad breakup and avoid looking for that new partner altogether. Well, let's face it, sometimes we can do that with hires as well. And trust me, guys, I've been there. I get the thought of bringing in a new stranger into your business actually fills your heart with more anxiety than it does love and joy. But when you post your jobs on LinkedIn, you can actually feel the confidence that you will find the right person for the right job fast because LinkedIn isn't actually just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion billion with a B professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Because guys, it gives you access to professionals that you actually can't find anywhere else. And so LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive, which then makes hiring with confidence easy when you have that many quality candidates. And it's so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours. So post your jobs for free at linkedin.com slash Lisa. That's linkedin.com slash Lisa to post your job for utterly free. And of course, terms and conditions always apply. As an entrepreneur, one of the biggest challenges you will face is a negative voice in your head. You know who I'm talking about? That may be not so small part of you that loudly doubts your abilities to actually pull the things off and make a living from your passion project. But you've got to overcome that negative voice in your head, homie, because I'm telling you, you can do it, especially if 
you use Shopify. Now, Shopify is an all-in-one global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From launching your business to hitting a million dollars, Shopify has got you completely covered. And with all the built-in Magic AI award-winning customer service and the internet's best converting checkout, you have everything you need to shut down the voice of doubt and make all your amazing business dreams a reality. That's exactly why, guys, I love Shopify. So if you want to start growing your business with more customers and sales, shut that negative voice down and prove her wrong that you can do it, Shopify is here for you. So go and sign up for just $1 a month with your trial period at shopify.com slash Lisa, all lowercase. Again, guys, you can go to shopify.com slash Lisa right now to grow your business, no matter where you are and what stage it's in. That's shopify.com slash Lisa. So one of the top, um, I think, manipulation tactics as mm-hmm. well is like, oh, you can't take a joke. Look how sensitive you are. And so now, especially when you're in front of other people, um, that's such a cruel method, I think. And um, I think a real sign of contempt. Mm-hmm. And I would not walk. I would run. Yeah, It's heartbreaking. I've seen a lot of couples do that mm-hmm. where they'll just mock each other. And I'm just like, oh, God, it's like yeah, heartbreaking. Yeah. To your point, are you with somebody that, that, that lifts you up or tries to push you down? Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, I actually have five of your relationship killer um, tips that you say, the things that really do uh, ruin relationships. And so you said betrayal of trust. We've already discussed that. Mm-hmm. Number two, unspoken expectations. Mm-hmm. So talk to me about unspoken expectations. I have a really good friend who talks about the example of when he got married and he said he thought, I'm getting married. I'm going to come home and I'm going to have dinner. <laughs> every night, prepare for me. And at first, he said he would come home and there'd be baked chicken. And, you know, uh, the next night there'd be roasted chicken. The next night, fry, you know, all these different. <laughs> she only knew how to cook a few things. But then when that stopped, he didn't say anything, but he was getting angry every night. He would come home. He was like, where's my, where's my food? Where's my dinner? What's going on here? And uh, those. And so the resentment started to build and not having a conversation about it. All throughout your relationship, the best thing for you to do is to continue to communicate and communicate effectively. And what does effective communication mean? You're always talking about what your expectations are and how you want to be loved because your circumstances are changing and things are changing in your life. You you may be busy with your career. You may be busy with work. So what you once wanted to do for your husband, which is prepare a meal, I'm not trying to just like totally dig in on gender roles here, but this is the story he was telling. Um, You may not be able to do that as much and having conversations about it so that those expectations that you have when they're not being met, it's not resentment building because you're talking about it along the way. Did you write a list of your um, expectations that you then told Kenny? I had a list I was like really kind of over the top. <laughs> this week, I was over the top. I'm list. not saying. I did. I had a list of like, like 50 things. <laughs> Scroll. I had to calm myself down a little bit. Um, I had a list of about 50 things. 50? 50. 50. I know. I was like, like I said, over the you top. You got an Excel spreadsheet but, and everything. <laughs> 50 things. But I thought these are like things that I, they weren't all non-negotiables, but they were things that I thought were really important. And then there were other things that I thought I could work with. For example, I'd never been married before. My husband had been married before. And when I met him, he had been divorced for about 10 years. So it'd been a long time. Um, And he had a teenage son. So for me as a person going into our marriage, if I'm just sharing a little bit more about my story, I really asked myself, what does that look like for me? Um, am I, is it going to be as special? Because we are going to have this wedding. And if we have a child, like these are all first time experiences for me. So what does that look like for me in terms of making a choice and marrying someone who had had a previous marriage? Well, there are a few things that I did. Number one, I wanted to know, what was the reason that that marriage ended? Like we talk about the previous relationships ending. I wanted to know the reason. If it was infidelity or some kind of betrayal or something like that, I knew that that was a red flag for me. 
Um, so we talked about those things. We had a great conversation. And the reasons I thought were very understandable. It was more so what we talked about, opposites attract, but they don't always stay together for those core values not being aligned. So all of those things that I put down on that list, and then I looked at the other things, he was kind. He had a, a great heart, a pure soul. He treated other people really well. My husband has been in the entertainment industry for 25 years. I started going places and meeting people who had known him and met him throughout various parts of his career, from hotel clerks to drivers to other background singers. And they could, they could have said nothing to me about him, but they all would tell me the same thing. He's one of the nicest people that we ever worked with. He's one of the nicest people that we ever met. And so I started to feel safer with my choice because remember I say there's always a risk. But as I got to know him and got to know uh, so many things about him, those things on my list that mattered the most were really about his loyalty, his kindness, his work ethic, because I'm a hard worker and I'm a go-getter. He's the same way. He's a great entrepreneur, being able to learn from him, all of those things, so that my worry and my fear of is this going to be okay for me marrying someone who's already been married before? And my husband doing a great job of always making me feel that this is so special. And this experience is, is so special between the two of us. And it's just, when I say we are celebrating our four-year wedding anniversary and five years together, it is a true celebration because we have, um, I, I chose a great partner no matter what we've gone through, the loss of my dad, the, the the pandemic and work being shut down, the birth of our daughter and all of the the everything that comes with us learning how to show up differently for other people, we have managed to do so, so well as a team. Oh, that was so beautiful. Can you take me through how that conversation happened? Because I love your transparency and honesty to say, especially like as we women get older, the chance of you meeting someone that doesn't have a child or never been married before mm -hmm. it goes down. So being beautifully honest about, I really want you to feel the celebration. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want this to be like, oh my God, here I am. It's my first time. It's my first kid. And your you know, husband's over there. Uh-huh. I already have one. Right? Like yeah. just owning that, yeah. having that discussion, would you mind taking me through what that discussion looked like? And then how you were able, and I'm just projecting now, mm -hmm. If that was me, I would battle, I would I would force myself to do it, but I would battle with, am I being needy? Oh my God, is, like, is there some shame over the fact that like I want my wedding to feel special and my our child together to feel mm -hmm. special? Um, I would have battled that. And I think mm -hmm. a lot of people would have battled with that and stayed silent. And that is what ends up echoing into them not being on the same page. Right. So I'm so like impressed by you and the fact that you were able to do that? How did you do that? When you're talking about choosing a life partner, it's one of the biggest decisions you will make and it will shape and influence so many different aspects of your life. So you have to be able to have difficult conversations and ask questions that are applicable to you. And then we took it a step further and we actually did pre-engagement counseling, mm. counseling before we ever even got engaged because, you know, I'm an attorney. My brain is thinking a different way. <laughs> okay. I know all of these questions that I'm asking, but am I missing something? Let me bring in a professional <laughs> and let them <laughs> help me out with these questions. And so we went before a, uh, a, a counselor, a pastor who also took us through questions. There's you. There's no such thing as asking too much when you're talking about making such a big decision with your life. So I had all of these things that I wanted to discuss, and I'm sure he, he had same. You know, he wanted to talk about things too, but we were just really open and honest about, okay, what does this look like for you? What does this look like for us? Um, and having those conversations where, because I didn't believe in falling in love blindly. I think you walk into love after you make your assessment. <laughs> no, it may not sound like the most romantic, but guess what? 
love is not going to be the thing that keeps a marriage together. It's going to be all of those other things, all of those other decisions. Love is the floor, it's not the ceiling. Mm -hmm. So everything else that you have to build on, and I knew that, remember, I'm coming from seeing family court now for many years. So having those discussions meant everything to me. And once again, you can have the talk and then there's the risk. Because you do take a risk because uh, people in different circumstances, they change in different things. How many times have you witnessed someone go through a breakup and the person turns into a completely different person? You see another side of them Mm -hmm. that you never even thought was possible for them to display. They become spiteful and revengeful and, and rude and all of these things because they're going through adversity. They're they're under pressure. They're turning into somebody who is different. So I watched how my husband and I observed just from talking to him. And I had the I had an advantage of meeting people who knew him uh, when he was going through his divorce. And every by all accounts, he handled it the way I would want a responsible parent and a loving human being to handle it. Because even when he was having darts thrown at him, he said, my son is watching how I handle this and I'm going to make the right decision. And that is what somebody's true character is really revealed when they go through that adversity. And I just respected him so much with how he handled it. And I said, wow, this is never going to be a man that's going to tear me down when we go through a challenging time. It's just not a part of who he is. I observed his character as being on another level. And again, it made me feel safer in making my decision. Mm, I love that. So knowing, having done the work, seeing the the, the horror stories of Um, what not doing the work looks like. So then doing the work, writing your list, knowing why you need to talk to him, I think is important Mm -hmm. to let go of any preconceived feelings, embarrassment, shame, or guilt about asking for these, uh, having these expectations. And then choosing somebody that can hear and respect your position. Yes. And then, you know, of course, telling him all my exes were crazy. He didn't have to, <laughs> he didn't have to I was like, you don't need to know about my past. They're all, cr-. no, I'm just kidding. Um, they, you know, I had past relationships too. That I, and I told him about why these breakups happened because he could have questioned, well, why are you 40 and still and, and not married? Ooh. You know, you've had all, all, all these opportunities and you have this amazing career. So we talked about, we both talked about our past relationships and how, where we were at that point in our lives and what we were coming together. What to would do. you actually say to somebody listening right now mm-hmm. who maybe is in their 40s yeah. and someone says, oh, why are you still in your 40s? Why are you in your 40s and still single? Mm-hmm. Let's say you've never been married before. Mm-hmm. Because for some reason, mm-hmm. there's more of an expectation that you've been married and got divorced if you're yeah. 40 than have never been married. And everybody's reason is going to be different because I know for me in my 20s, marriage was not what I desired at all. But for those who get the question, I mean, listen, sometimes you just have to come back and say, you know, it's because my married friends tell me I'm lucky. You can <laughs> you can say something. You can well, none come of your back with a business, <laughs> but which is the real answer. But if people want to know um, something, you know, it's it's this notion that you have to defend the position that you're mm-hmm. in in life because you don't go around asking people why are you married. Yeah. So, but but people, single people, get asked all the time, why are you here? I think that that question, and this is what single women should know. That question really says more about the person asking the question Mm. than it ever really says about you. Because A, it could be a personal choice. Uh, It could be because of circumstances like, like mine, where I really didn't seriously date until I was in my 30s. Um, And I went through a series of what I had to learn on my personal journey. And three, the real reason is everybody's journey is different. And you have to embrace what your personal journey is. We're not all on, we got. We have to get rid of these arbitrary timelines that tell us we need to be a certain place 
by a certain age and that we're not going to get happiness until we achieve a certain level of success in our career or we meet somebody or we have a child. Because if you really feel that way, you're always going to be chasing a carrot on a moving stick. It never ends. Mm. Yeah, that's so true. Um, And to your point about people don't ask people why you're married. I use that analogy with kids. When people ask me, um, oh, why didn't you have kids? I'm like, would you ever go up to a mother with kids and be like, why do you have kids? Mm-hmm. Like that would be, people would think of that as so disrespectful. So it becomes right. a society, societal norm right. of the questions that are allowed to be asked um, versus ones that are not allowed. Or And I just think they're all inappropriate, yeah. to be honest. The, the question about children really, really, though, should be off the table. You could be asking this to someone who's going through a miscarriage and you don't even know it. Yes. You could be asking this to someone who has medical issues and they have every right not to want to share any of those things with you. You could be asking someone who just made a personal choice, but it's their choice. So there's so many reasons. Um, what What if you're asking that question to someone who's struggling to conceive? They want to have children. So your question is very triggering to them. That subject must be tabled. Do not ask. Don't inquire. If someone wants to talk to you about their family planning, they will bring it up to you. Otherwise, leave the subject alone. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so we we were on number four. So we spoke about the important red flags and the boundaries. And now we're going to go to number five is get to know someone, the key topics to discuss. So talk to me about what the key topics that we need to discuss in getting to know somebody before deciding whether they're right for you or not. We talked about some of those already, just having that open and honest conversation, but also just keeping in mind there are so many areas that you can continue to have conversation about. Where do people want to live? I remember one of my friends got divorced because literally they could not decide where they wanted to live. He wanted to be in Atlanta. She wanted to be in Chicago. People think that it's going to work itself out once they get married. They think these things will just work themselves out. It doesn't happen that way necessarily. So for some people, it might. But for a lot of people, it doesn't. So those things that are really important to you, if you know you don't want to move to Chicago, then you might not want to date somebody in Chicago who is also unwilling to move. So having these discussions about simple things like that, if you're dating long distance, where do you want to live? What about what about someone's family, a significant other's family? What is their family relationship like? Do they have long-term friendships? Are you okay with them loaning money to family members? Ooh. Do you take do they take care of any other family members? Is that is this this discussion you need to have because now you're talking about building a household and finances in the household and when one party spends, the household will will feel that a lot of times. All of these very practical not necessarily romantic discussions and questions that you have, they are all so important in getting to know someone when you're talking about combining a life and having a life partnership with them. So I go through a lot of these questions in the book and and also in, in the program because, and it's never ending. It's not, this is a list and this list is exhaustive. <laughs> you, you know, you come up with questions that you want to ask based on what's important to you and you have these discussions. And always remember, people have a right to change their minds as well. So 20 years from now, you shouldn't expect to probably get the same answer you got 20 years ago. Well, 20 years ago, you told me this about you. People are going to change. They're going to evolve. And I and that's why I always say you have these discussions because you want to do your best to choose somebody who is going to grow and be compatible with you while the two of you are growing. Give yourself the best chance for success mm. by having these discussions in advance. But at the same time, you're choosing someone who has some of these core values in alignment so that you can grow. And as people change, the whole relationship won't blow up as a result of it. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and 
What do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. I'm glad you brought that up because even thinking about my own life, I told my husband when I first met him that I wanted four children. Mm -hmm. And here I am, you know, 20 years later saying, I actually don't want any. Um, And so do you advise in identifying what out of those things are potentially non-negotiables? Because for my husband, when I first, first met him, he was like, maybe I'll have kids, maybe I won't. It was me that said, oh, I want four. Mm -hmm. So he was like, four, like he was horrified by how many. Um, But I think a big part of it was, is that because he was flexible, because it wasn't something that he was like, this is a must, that it actually even allowed me to think about, do I want children or not? Because I had some space. Mm-hmm. Um, but how do you then navigate that change? So for for him, it wasn't a non-negotiable for right. him. So he was able to accept that change and you were able to continue to build on your marriage. I have another friend who, same situation, they had agreed before getting married that they would have children and she changed her mind and decided... She did not want to have kids. And for him, it was a non-negotiable and they ended up getting a divorce as a result of it. So I say people have a right to change their mind, but also you have a right to make a decision about what is best for you moving forward. And sometimes that means if this is one of your non-negotiables and having, and children often is for people, you know, what, what you did uh, was very different from someone saying because you said I changed my mind this is this is what I think now and he was okay with that but for people who know that they don't want kids but they say they do because they think it's just going to help get the ring and get the relationship uh it often very much so backfires so you always just want to be authentic and what you're sharing with your significant other and you having the change of heart and your husband being able to accept that, that's why you were able to continue to grow and build together. Yeah, when people say, um, oh, you guys are lucky, it's like, no, it, it so happens that we have the same core values and they don't revolve around the things that I think a lot of people struggle with. So like with kids, because it wasn't a core value of his, the fact that I changed my mind was, you know, um, easy to navigate. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, I, I but there's no judgment there. I, yeah. don't, I think that um, we do pass judgment on people. It's like, I can't believe this person decided to change their mind. So whatever different human right how many people did you see in your divorce court actually that were like they're not the same person that i married all the time all the time and and i tell people they're not supposed to be yes they're not they're not supposed to be um i think what they mean is they've turned into someone that i can't live with that i can't grow with that i can't evolve with but in terms of all the time hearing all the time they're not the same person you're not going to be the same person. Marriage, the institution of marriage by itself changes you as a person because you are now living as this unit and as this team. And you're always going to have your, of course, your individual personality and all of those things. But so many decisions you make in life now, you are considering someone else and this family that you are building. Every aspect of life, so many aspects of life, it causes us to, us, us to change. It's going to promote change and growth in all of those things. Mm, yeah, so true. Um, okay, so now we are down to the last one, number six, answer questions. Who do you want the, uh, the person to meet? So I know you touched a little on that earlier, mm-hmm. but so talk to me about the importance of this. And I assume it's like the self-work. For everyone who wants to attract lasting relationship and long-term love. I always say, ask yourself a question. When you meet this person, 
who do you want them to meet? That's the work that I had to do. I did not want my husband meeting a bitter, broke down, resentful, hurt faith. I wanted him to meet somebody who had an interesting life, a fulfilled life, who had worked through challenges and obstacles and just became a better person along the way. Because it's not about the destination, it's all about who you're becoming on the journey. And I knew that I wanted him to meet someone who was a good communicator, all of these things. So during this time period, where you are working to attract this love into your life. And I do believe it is very possible for everyone who wants that for themselves. It's about who you are becoming in this time frame and on this journey. And that is as equally important who you are standing alone as you are in a relationship. And do you believe that to be true as well as you're in the relationship with that person? Like, do you keep coming back to yourself even though you're now married with a child? You have to because my my time, for example, is different now that we I'm a, a wife and have a child and I never stopped working. You and I were talking about this before we started today, how I went, and this was not a brag to say I started work so soon after giving birth. I wanted to have more time, but it was just necessary for the timing of the way things lined up with waiting until I had Skylar to finish production on the show. And you're you're constantly evolving and learning. I'm learning how to be a mom. That's something complete. This is something completely new to me. And I'm I'm just nine months into this journey learning how to manage anxiety I never had before, but now facing all of these thoughts about what if something happens to me? Now I have a child and not wanting to get on a plane after I had her. I didn't want to fly anywhere. I just had all of these thoughts and I had to really focus on <laughs> not having so much anxiety, um, just the, the postpartum emotions of it all. So my husband is watching all of this and, and I'm watching him become a new dad again. So it's, it's always about evolving and showing up for each other in the new way that this person needs to be loved because that love language has probably changed mm -hmm. <laughs> over the years and because of the circumstances. So figuring out what's the best way I can support my husband now? What's the, and he, him, what's the best way I can support Faith now? And doing that for each other. And how are you, with all of that dynamic, which I think is beautiful, how are you making sure also that you don't lose yourself? Yeah. In, in the midst of it? Yeah. Um, like all the work that you've done when you were single, right? Yeah. Going kind of full circle of where we started, where you've done all the internal work. Who do I want to be? Who do I want to show up to be? Um, and now in a busy life, you know, a season of a very busy life, how are you making sure that you don't give yourself? Because again, yeah. I hear so many women and I'd love to hear your thoughts on how many women showed up in your divorce court feeling like this, where they, they give themselves over to, you know, the family, to what the family needs, what the husband needs, what the child needs. And then, you know, I hear too many women say that I blinked 20 years later, my kid moves out, wow. my husband's left me, and Ooh. now I don't know who I am anymore. Wow. You know, my husband has been really good about not only telling me to take some time for myself, but making that possible mm. with the support that we have and also with him being a very hands-on dad. So I've been able to go and take some time if I need to go to uh, the, the spa and just relax, whatever it is that I need to do to relax or taking some time off. I'm a morning person, so I'm usually the first person who gets up and gets Skylar. But though, and you know, because my husband works in the entertainment field, mm -hmm. so he's more of the, the, the night person. But his, I think, service and his compromise is those mornings where he says sleep and I sleep and then he wakes up. And just knowing that your partner is showing up for you in ways that are sacrificial mm -hmm. um, in various aspects is, is helpful and it allows me to continue to grow, continue to build. I'm still working. I'm still filming. I'm still doing things that I love. My daughter has come on set with me already mm -hmm. and I always want her to see her mom doing things that she loves to do. I want that to be a part of Skylar's 
life growing up, seeing me in a role where I am fulfilled, not just as her parent, but as a human being. Um, in your relationship or other relationships that you've seen, um, how have, or how do you think through and decipher whether a relationship is worth um, fighting for and mm -hmm. it is just like a bump in the road and it's mm -hmm. just a friction that you guys maybe have or oh this is a moment that going back to something we said earlier like this is the moment where I need to leave and not live the next five to ten years in a relationship that doesn't uh, make me happy. One key sign that I've witnessed in a lot of the relationships I observed in court when people start making a decision that is not best for the team but only for their individual self. And that is how they are choosing to now go forward in the relationship. Because even when you have an argument, even when you have conflict, the best way to resolve it is to do what's right for the team. Because you're operating now as a, a, a team in this relationship and in this marriage. When someone decides to start making decisions solely based on their individual needs, wants, and desires, that's when usually it's the beginning of the end. Mm. And that's something to identify in your partner and yourself, I assume, because the people automatically do that not realizing it because... You know, um, the analogy is like dust settling, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so you get a bit of dust, eh, it's not a big deal, I'll clean it later. Mm -hmm. You get another bit of dust, a couple of days go by, and now the dust like accu accumulates, accumulates, and mm -hmm. now it's so freaking hard to get off, right. and it's just like in there and in deep. Right. Um, how much of that like becomes a, a small stepping stone towards it? Because I do wonder in that scenario, if it happens overnight or if you start to notice it, oh, hang on a minute, that wasn't in service of the us, pattern, that was in yeah. service of the ind mm -hmm. individual. Often it's the pattern that starts to develop and, and it's over time. And uh, and then like you talk about people having that breaking point at some point, mm -hmm. something happens and it's like, okay, enough is enough. Because it's never an easy decision when you have invested time and energy and building um, a a life with with someone, but um, the mistake I see people make is they choose their history over their destiny because they've had a past and they've had good times in the past. That's what they're counting on, and that's what they're leaning on. When clearly things have changed, and and people are going in different directions, and it and it does happen because I worked in seeing divorces and I saw my own parents divorce. I never thought that divorce meant that they somehow lost their capacity to love again or you know people need to get out of this notion if I get divorced I'm I'm damaged good somehow I'm less than somehow I am not as worthy sometimes going in a new direction is the best thing for you because you're now not starting from scratch or starting from experience. You have now an experience that you can build from and that you can make better decisions in your life from. And sometimes it just happens. Life happens and you have to do that. Yeah, I think that that's a beautiful way to think through it. It's, it makes you more powerful, more stronger versus the opposite. Um, and so I, I'm always thinking through that empowerment mindset. Um, Faith, this has been so freaking amazing. I absolutely adore you, all of the work you're doing. Where can people find you and this amazing workshop that you're putting together? Thank you so much, Lisa. It's always so good to be here and be back. So I created the, a course, just a course, six steps that I think if you master these things, it helps take you from single to soulmate just based on other people's success stories, what's what's worked, and how you can avoid certain pitfalls and roadblocks. And it's just called Sis Don't Settle, the <laughs> six lessons that take you from single to soulmate. So I have that and the book, and you can find me on all my social media, Faith Jenkins.